You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, I can't tell you how excited I am about today's adventure we're going to be taking. It is going to be a deep dive. Uh, So you got to get your scuba gear. To join me today, I have two uh, incredible gentlemen. And uh, first, we have from Australia, Todd Weatherly. And, uh, you know, folks... Todd Weatherly is the senior leader of Field of Dreams in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. He and his wife are dear friends of ours, and he has been just a a leader within the uh, prophetic move in the nation of Australia for quite a while now. He, He is well known, and he is a deep, deep well. I um. I really appreciate every time I get a chance to hang out with Todd. And so he is joining me along with Todd Edwards, who many of you know from our platform. And some of you have been following his series called uh, uh, Zion on, on our podcast, just talking all about the different elements of what is revealed about Zion largely be rooted in the book of Isaiah where he has been um, doing many of his studies. And uh, he of course leads the biweekly Bible study at Bride Ministries. And so we are really excited because we are converging today to talk about Zion, to talk about the new Jerusalem and living stones, which is something that I've been on now for two months at the Bride Ministries church. Uh, Todd Weatherly, welcome to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey, good to be with you, Dan. We meet, we meet again. We meet again. Todd so, Edwards, so. welcome to the show. Great to be here, Dan. And Todd, good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. So folks, uh, before we get into this, just understand that this is going to be a little awkward for me i am actually going to be using full names you wouldn't normally see me doing this in a (coughs) alternative setting but to avoid the situation where it's like hey todd what do you think about that and uh we talk over each other (laughs) we've decided to use full names just for this podcast so please don't think that we're being awkward on purpose now todd weatherly i want to begin with a statement you made recently and you said I quote, uh, Western Christianity has an expiration date and it is 2019. So I want to just start there with that idea and uh, begin to work our way into New Jerusalem and Zion from that launch point. Mm. Well, that's obviously a, a statement that is, has nuances and it is spiritually discerned. I'm not saying that Christianity is dead in the Western world. But the Christianity where people have to, they're trained years beyond their obedience and they want to consume more and more knowledge in the word and not necessarily apply it. So they go from conference to conference, teaching to teaching. And the beautiful thing about the um, the new covenant is it's not 
about your theological background, your intellect, your natural training, even your, even your giftedness. It's your preparedness to actually hear it and walk it out and obey. And so I feel that it's with the West, there is a habit of consumerism. And if we really knew the power of God's word and the power of the kingdom, we wouldn't fit God into our day. We would re-engineer it completely differently. And obviously there'd be, you know, revival wouldn't be an exception. It'd be the, you know, that'd be the new normal. So that's what I mean by um, it has a use by date. Also to Jesus says in the book of Revelation, when he says to John and comes back from the dead um, and he says to him, he says, I'll keep you. I'll keep you from uh, the, tr the trial that's about to test the whole world. And at the moment, the, the, the church is in an exam. It's in a test. And you don't know really what you have until you're tested. And so a lot of people don't like exams. They don't like tests, but it's a good thing because God gives us a test. He invites us in. Well, hey, we've been more than invited. But he al allows us to go through a test in order for us to pass in order for us to get promoted. So at the moment, the Western church, the church is undergoing a test, which is an amazing opportunity, as opposed to, oh, when lockdown finishes, I just can't wait to get on with my life. It just doesn't work like that. So it, a paradigm shift has taken place. So in regards to what we would consider Western Christianity, very consumer-driven, um, you know, with, the, with, the, with the, a lot of the West comes off, obviously we talked about the Prince of Greece, but a lot of the West um, is that once I receive the information and we understand it, you go, oh, I've got it. No, no, you don't. You don't have it until you do it and bear fruit. So that we, we celebrate the cerebral mental ascent agreement, but that still doesn't manifest anything. So that, that's what I mean by Western Christianity. Does that make sense? So why are we now... <laughs> talking about the new Jerusalem. Where, where, where does that fit into your vantage point on how God's changing things 2020? Folk, why is it such a big deal to you? Well, I've been led into it. And yes. um, I, unless, <laughs> as you know, we have our church, our law firm, two young kids, I think my my, uh, my son's grown a foot in a year. You wouldn't recognise Max. You wouldn't. And uh, he's gone from you know, hey Dad, I'm going to school to hey, how you going, Dad? And uh, like it's it's been quite. It's like we're feeding him manure. We're not. Anyway, um, and so we have we have a lot going on. I spend a lot of time with the Lord, and I have to have my my I have to have my own encounter and experience and then minister out of that overflow. So I clearly was led to start studying because because we're involved with a lot of prophetic intercession, it feels like we're playing whack-a-mole, you know, and we're praying over this. And there's, there's good to do task praying about uh, troubleshooting in the spirit. But the Lord said to me clearly, he said, um, he said, Abraham's descendants, the seed of Abraham, one of the part of the inheritance was to possess the gate of, the, uh, gate of their enemies. And so a lot of the church is trying to, trying to um, address things coming out of the gate and things are just continually going to come down that pipeline unless we take the gate. Mm. I started to look into that and then the Lord started speaking to me about the New Jerusalem. And I, I must admit, we were just talking to Todd, Todd Edwards then, 
it's the richest, most amazing subject uh, that I've studied. And so as I am, what the, the thing that drew me in was it actually said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And then it says in Revelation 22, talks about the river of life, the trees of life, um, Revelation 21 goes into detail about the foundations, the gates, the walls. But then it said outside the, in the new heaven, the new earth, outside the gates are the sexually immoral, <clears throat> the idolaters, the sorcerers, the dogs, and those who love and practice a lie. And I'm going, hang on, hang on, hang on. New heaven, new earth, and we're still in the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What's going on? Like, I'm thinking... That doesn't make sense to me. And it, and it, and it shifted my paradigm. A um, friend of mine, Emerson Farrell, uh, married to Anna uh, Mendez Farrell, he gave me a phenomenal key in regards to understanding um, the paradigm of the old and the new. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, things were primary. And this is very important um, that you please. This is very, very important uh, for those listening to the podcast. Um, the Old Testament is primarily physical and external. The New Testament is primarily spiritual and internal. So all of the children of Israel saw the Red Sea part, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. They saw, you know, the glory up on the mountain, the, the cloud, that the Mount Sinai shake, the manna, the quail, and it didn't change them. So God says, we're going to do it a better way. You're going to change an inner reality. And Jesus says the kingdom of God, and I think Luke 17 says, does not come with observation, for the kingdom of God is within you. Now, this is where Western Christianity will struggle because I believe rather than using the supernatural to disassociate into the ether, you know, make the bad man stop, what, no, 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 is that we're called through wisdom and the spirit of God to lay a hold of what already is, and if we do the internal journey correctly, it will then, as gates, it'll break out and change the time-space world. So the supernatural is not about disassociating and sitting in a cave and hoping it all finishes up. You, you, you start to realise it's an internal reality that if we do it on a biblical basis, it will manifest out of us. Like Peter walking and, and they just brought the sick out in the streets and just this shadow or just that realm around him brought that realm of healing. So... So that's when I started to look into it, and I'm, I'm just blown away because if there is so, so, so with the spiritual world and time and space, when Jesus said it is finished, and then Paul took this theme to a whole other level through the spirit of wisdom, and he said we are already, Ephesians 1, 3, we're already blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He says that we are already seated in heavenly places in him. We are already complete in him. We live with him, in him, through him. We're already crucified with him. So, so the spiritual realm is like an eternal now. So that being said, if we see the new Jerusalem as purely an inevitable manifestation, but something in the future, we continually push it into the future. That's, that's the issue. So, so if, if I go, oh, this is going to happen one day, that's hope. We need hope. I was, uh, I, I'm led to believe that hope is one of those rare commodities is you don't realise you have it until you lose it. 
It's like your health. You don't realise you're healthy until you become sick. It's like your freedom. You don't realise that you're free until you lose your freedom. And hope is the same. But the just are called to live by faith. Hope keeps us in the game, makes things interesting, and hope feeds our dreams, feeds our desires. But faith delivers it. So if we see the new Jerusalems, oh, this you know, this is just going to happen and, you know, I'm just going to willingly receive it, I believe it's more connected to a now reality, an inner reality. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm blown away. We can engage it now. It says in Hebrews, uh, it, it says in Hebrews um, chapter 12, verse 22, this is not future. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, That's it. to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And you go, what, what? I thought the new Jerusalem's coming down in the future, but you're saying it's now. And before I just finish this opening monologue, I find it fascinating that it says, and I saw the, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven like a bride for a husband. Oh, but Lord, I thought the church was the bride because it had just spoken of the marriage, wedding supper of the Lamb. And it says, the spirit and the bride say, come, come and drink freely from the, from the waters of life. But Jesus said, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It says that either side of the river of life are trees of life or the tree of life. <clears throat> but it also says in Isaiah, Todd Edwards, that we are trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And in Psalm 1, it says that if we meditate, in the word of God, we will be like trees planted by the rivers. Interesting. It says that it is a holy city, but Jesus said in Matthew, you are a city on a hill. And Isaiah 60, 14 says, and they shall call you the city of the Lord. It says there is no temple there. And then, and then Paul says, and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're being built together by like living stones as a spiritual house. So my, my conviction is the new Jerusalem is a place for God's people and God's people are a place. And the reason why it's a perfect cube, it is the convergence of heaven and earth and we can lay hold of it now. Todd Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> no question, folks. I'm just looking at his face. That, that's the whole question, the statement. <laughs> Todd Edwards. <laughs> How long do we have, Dan? This is going to be fun. <laughs> Not long enough. So, so we're we're on the northern hemisphere. Todd Weatherly's on the southern hemisphere, and the Holy Spirit's totally weaving all of this together. A little bit of language difference. Um, yes, our English is a little different too, <laughs> but a little bit of language difference. We're talking about the same thing. I mean, I was jotting notes, um, Todd, when as you were talking, I was like, yes, 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 you know, this this is how it all kind of ties together, and. I'm totally with you on everything that you said, because just like God was and is and is to come, what you just said was Zion was and is and is to come. The city was and is and is to come. The believers were and are and are to come. <laughs> it's all the same. So now you have this, this timeline element 
And as part of this study in Isaiah, uh, one of the revelations that, that, that I, I, I think made, all of a sudden kind of came to me and made sense is God created a timeline in one aspect for us to be able to receive his character and his nature. Mm. Even outside of eternity, he is so vast just in one element of his character, nature of love, for example, that he created a timeline to stretch out our ability to understand and experience different aspects of his love. But yet at the same time, in the past and are and are to come, we're face to face in receiving that volume of love. So this whole timeline element is for our benefit and yet we're also outside of the timeline. And he's got both things going on at the same time. So what, what's come to me even just recently is sometimes we start on a journey and we're looking at each piece that we have in our lives and each piece of revelation, each thing that we're doing. And occasionally we make a three to five year plan. We set some goals and say, okay, where are we going to be destined? And then we try to fill in the blanks. And we know that a lot of times we don't understand everything. So the goes to the left, goes to the right. And for the first time, I think I finally had the revelation and the leading to start with the end. And the end is Revelation 21 and 22. So Zion, I agree, is a city. It's us. It's the bride. I told Dan this the other day. It's a priest with 12 stones. It's the temple. So now when we back up, what are we? We're a city on the hill. We're the bride. We're a priest. We're the temple. So we are Zion and collectively we're Zion. So the process that, that we're going through in, in our study in the book of Isaiah is how along the timeline, how do you become what you already are? Because in the aspect of shedding apart down to the core of our beings. He wants a perfect lover out of each of us. And before we opened up, you mentioned so much of scripture is, it sounds sexual. There's adultery to it. There's passion to it. He wants a perfect lover out of each of us, but it gets better. He wants a perfect lover out of the three of us combined, he wants a perfect lover out of a tribe, a perfect lover out of a city. He wants a perfect lover out of the whole earth. So when we think about Isaiah and he's saying in 61, 61, you're going to rebuild the waste cities and former desolations. I'm looking along this timeline and one aspect to building the timeline that will be, that is, because <laughs> we have to constantly have that perspective, is me as an individual to become in a place of maturity that I can see him face to face. And that's a process. But then he wants to see all of bride, all of 
your ministry in a place collectively of the remnant where collectively they are seeing it face to face. And then what he really wanted to do on the earth is to birth Zion as a city onto the earth. And that's why Isaiah 54 said she was barren. She actually never gave birth to a city. And you mentioned Abraham looking for this city on the hill because the city collectively is a number of individuals that are so in love with God, so transparent, such deep lovers that are face to face as he is in the temple of us that collectively were a city. And now all of a sudden we are starting to manifest the daughter of Zion onto the earth. And the whole millennial kingdom, I believe, and this goes to the parable of the talents. You get five talents, you get two talents, you get one talent. I never understood the, uh, the equation. I mean, I'm an engineer and I still didn't understand this equation. Okay, so you're faithful in five talents, so you get to rule over 10 cities. How, how, why does that qualify you for 10 cities? It's because you have gone through the process of being a priest, being a temple, being a lover of him, that now you can build others into a city to birth Zion in the city form. Because ultimately, he's got this massive New Jerusalem, Zion, that is his priest, is his city. And that's always where he dwelt. All right. He always dwelt there, always will dwell there. I am getting really excited right now. Because, <laughs> because guys, we're about to actually open up the whole thing. This is like a, this is like a zip file. <laughs> you unzip it and all this stuff comes out. It's like, gosh, there was that much in that one little file. <laughs> Whoa. Listen to this. Okay. And, and this is actually just dawning on me as you guys are talking. I just stepped into the revelatory realm and I'm like, did you know that in Genesis chapter 10, when we meet Nimrod, the mighty warrior hunter against God, what does he do? The Bible says the beginning of his kingdom was. And then we list a number of cities that he births. What is the beginning of his kingdom? Cities that converge to bring yeah. about Babylon, the enemy of Jerusalem. Nimrod is the original Antichrist type and shadow in the Bible. <laughs> and what is getting defeated on the heels of the manifestation of New Jerusalem in Revelation? Babylon. Two cities. This is really deep. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting tickled yet? <laughs> it, it, it's they're, 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 you've got three nerds on the on the podcast here. I'm okay. nerding out. Go, go. Uh, Todd, three Todd nerds Weather and one mic. <laughs> Todd Weatherly. You, you, you got. Go ahead. You've got a, a spotless bride, and then you got a prostitute, the harlot of Babylon. And she was adorned with gold and precious gems, and she wore a necklace of pearl. Uh, there were trading floors, power sources, the bodies and souls of men, obviously commodities, 
So you have that. That's the see. See, in regards to the time space, that's happening now. So why would the enemy be building this structure to house all this evil and partnering with fallen humanity in the demonic realm and opening up gates and portals to other dimensions? And the church is going, wow. I'm really looking forward to this new Jerusalem one day. He's going to wipe away every tear. I won't remember any anything. Make the bad man stop. And it's like we the the the, the problem with that. It does look. You know, I have a lot of encounters and stuff. I was up at the, my property. I was praying with some friends. I felt the Lord say, "Get in your car, go and be on your own for a while." I'm driving, and I literally saw written in the air, passivity. And, and, and the problem with the West is it's passive. We're just, yeah, I'm, I'm rapture ready. Oh, it's all going to happen. You go, you go, no, no, no. Take dominion. Rule and reign. And so, so, so Babylon is unfolding now. I, won't have to, I don't have to state the obvious, but, but if the church is continually waiting for a future event, we continue to push it into the future. And I think that, I, I, yeah, Nimrod, he wanted to build that. He, he wanted to build. And I would go so far as to say that the Old Testament saints, anyone that had any heavenly encounter, it actually says Abraham looked to a heavenly country. He looked to a heavenly city. Um, and, and they were engaging with this. And Jesus said, I'm afraid that the sons of darkness are more shrewd than the sons of light. And we actually have to, we have to be shrewd in the right things. And not naive. Look, I'll be honest. Like, I mean, I mean, I don't know why I say that. I've, you know, as opposed to my usual default. Come on. Um, <laughs> is at the moment what what we're looking at in America and in around the world is conservatism as a political movement is dead because it's passive. And right now, you have globalist Marxist Illuminati. You've got all sorts of terrible things, and they are revolutionaries. Nothing's off the table. Gaslighting is the new norm. Uh, they accuse you what you what they're doing. They accuse you of to throw everything out. They're throwing, and yet you have conservative Christianity, conservative politicians, Republican. I'm telling you right now, that stuff is face down in the swimming pool, and so everything's gone to another level. And now we need to engage a spirit of wisdom. We need to know now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have to lay a hold of it aggressively with intent. And, and it's so, so simple. This is, this is the, I'm landing this, this second monologue. Because what happens is this has got such a huge application because it's such an overwhelming meta narrative. As Todd Edwards and myself, we believe that the, this new Jerusalem is a master key to see, to unlock the, the canon of scripture. Okay. This is so crazy. It actually says here. As Jesus says in, in John 14, 1, this is so awesome. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I think the word is Monet, um, as in the artist, but M-O-N-A-Y. That's how we pronounce it phonetically. And it's many realms, many abodes, many mansions, okay? In my Father's house are many realms or mansions. If or not so, right, I would told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, Jesus says, I'm going to go and prepare a realm. A place, a place in the glory. And I'll, if I go and do this, I'll come and receive you again to myself. Now, he hasn't died and resurrected. There's no outpouring of the Holy Spirit yet. So you go, great, he's going to prepare Zion. And I mean, sorry, uh, uh, New Jerusalem. This is so great. They're in. <laughs> this is awesome. 
this is so Hebraic because it's 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 trying to fit supernatural, eternal, ancient paths language into modern language. So they have to jump all around the place to map it so you can triangulate it. So it's not exact language you have to anyway, it did. So Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Oh yes, Lord, yes, we will obey you. That's not what it says. The word keep is to hold it in you and do not let it out of your sight to guard it. Remember it says you should love the Lord your God, heart, soul, and strength. He said you will talk about it when you sit down, when you stand up, you'll write it on your door, door, door post. It'll be front lots before your eyes. You'll teach it to you. Like, like, be full baptismo in the word of God. Why? Because it's alive. Yeah. So Jesus says if yeah. you get obsessed with my word, if you continually hold it, yeah. my father will love him. You ready? And we will come to him and make our mansion, abode, our monet, our home with him. So Jesus said in one passage, right, I'm going to go and prepare a place. And then he said, if you keep my word, we will make you that place. Come on. <laughs> so Come so on. this is why with our church, we just get obsessed with the Logos, get obsessed, meditate, sit down, spend hours and hours, put away Netflix, put away all this stuff. There's no life in it. It is death. So, so, so if you know the big word now is Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who call by my my name humble themselves and turn from their own wicked ways, seek my face. That is an Old Testament paradigm of metanoia of of repentance. I'm just saying this. This podcast, people need to share it because everyone needs to start to think the New Jerusalem. This is the now thing because it will pull you into such a. It's the architecture of the glory. It's the topography and geography of the glory, internal and external. And what we have is that there is no sustainable revival without people building the word of God into the subconscious. There is nothing. You could have a, a, a great move of God, but it won't be sustainable because, the, because it's building. It's all about building. If you get the building right, the river of life will come out permanently. That's what we're talking about. But it comes down to becoming obsessed with the logos. My, my, my. There's a few things I want to say, but <laughs> Todd Edwards, please. I can I see distress. <laughs> distress because I'm trying to be patient because <laughs> I want to jump up and down. <laughs> oh, um, City of Babylon. You, you guys are, are, are so right. The enemy gets this. So they're building the anti-city of Zion as the city of Babylon. And it is its priest, its bride, its temple. And they're doing it right now. Why are we waiting to build the city of Zion at some point in time? Actually, most people don't even think they're going to be building the city of Zion. They just think we just get to show up. <laughs> hey, we're here. Thanks Brilliant. for the invitation. <laughs> and, and the Come enemy on. is building the city of Zion right now, and it exists right now. It, it is the anti-city of Zion called the city of Babylon. And that's what Nimrod was trying to manifest back then. And the whole purpose of the city of Babylon back then was to try to overtake where God dwelt, which is the city of Zion. And the gates of hell will not prevail. I, I don't think we're supposed to just take the gates. I think we're supposed to take their cities. Correct. 
That's why uh, Jeremiah. Because that's the was, waste. We have to take over those things. That's why Jeremiah was called to uproot, tear down, throw down, destroy, build and plant. Correct. So building. Paul was getting this revelation repeatedly. I am a master builder. And upon the chief cornerstone, I will build no other foundation. And the city of Zion has as its foundations <coughs> then the apostles and their truths. And we are individually a building, but then collectively he has seen this whole architecture platform of the city of Zion as us together. And I remember when uh, the first time that I had a conversation with Dan spirit to spirit and I didn't, it didn't make sense back then. It is making sense just a little bit now recently. And he asked my spirit, what was I up to? And I said, I was building multi-ministry realms. And I was connecting not only individuals, but I really was connecting city to city to city to city. I didn't have any context for that. I just knew that it couldn't happen yet in the timeline. Again, we're talking about timeline and we're talking about now. That was activity to build Zion onto the earth right now. And if we're not engaged with that right now, we are missing what he has destined for us as individuals. We are missing what he has for us relationally with our spouses, with our families. We are missing what we're, what we're designed to be the three of us together. We're missing what it means to be our ministries together, the cities together. Because if one puts a thousand to flight and two put 10,000 to flight, what happens when two ministries in full openness, lovers of God in full openness, where we are not looking in jealousy and envy, we are completely clean. We're manifesting Zion and the kingdom of heaven is on the earth. How many can two ministries put to get put to flight it's over it's game over if we get this amen this is huge amen it's good so folks we'll see if i can get a word in edgewise i <laughs> uh, i see so so here's the thing here's the thing right the bible is very clear that we have come to mount the thing is while Nimrod was building Babylon, which is first a spiritual city into the earth, setting up a temple unto himself and establishing a false government, Abraham was simultaneously alive. They were alive at the same time. So there were a microcosm of what is playing out Globally now, where Abraham, the father of our faith, is looking for a city and yeah. Nimrod is building Babylon. Yeah. But the Bible says, oh, this is such a mess, <laughs> that the man of sin, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the son of perdition, will seek to sit in the temple of God, showing himself. That he is God. But we 
are the temple. Now, this is where you get into mind control. I, I, have, to, I have to go there. You know, they, they use this term in America, monarch, monarch, right? Which they, they say it's the monarch butterfly. But if you break it down to its terms, mon, mon, single, one, ark, Hebrew, or you go to the Greek, ark, arky, that's a magistrate. That's a government, one government, one mm. government. The government of monarch programming is Babylon mm. and Antichrist seating himself in people taking over cognitive capacities through trauma and ritualization. Mm. He is actually taking a seat of governance in the body of Christ through survivors that have been through programming, building a temple in the midst of what's supposed to be a holy city. It's called infiltration. This is one of the reasons why, as we begin to understand cities, the body of Christ is not going to be able to kowtow and get weak in the knees when confronting darkness. Because we realize to be a city set on a hill, we have to solve the problems that are actually facing this world and see to it that the the, the gospel is preached to the poor, the broken hearts are bound up, the captives are set free from the prisons, The day of the vengeance of God is now, right? Beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for mourning. We are not able to keep backing up off of this mission when we begin to get some of this stuff. Right, right. I'm going to go go back to to guard and protect when you were talking um, about back in the garden, what you just said now in terms of our own temples and Todd, whether you mentioned this from, from John, the whole plan always for us was to tend to the garden, take care of it and guard it. And we're supposed to tend to Zion being birthed within us and guard it. We're supposed to tend to that timeline and guard it. And we have supposed, we were supposed to have watchmen. We were supposed to have shepherds and the watchmen were supposed to tell us when the enemy was approaching, not only for us individually, but for Zion manifesting onto the earth. Cause we haven't even touched on how Zion connects to the earth yet, but also the timelines and all of these things have been sabotaged. And what happens is now, and this is what we st- where we started in our study in Isaiah, in, st- in Isaiah 49, Zion as an entity cries out and says, Abba, Yahuwah, what about me? And it comes in the same passage that Isaiah is saying, who's going to believe this crazy report? And we're crying out right now. Selah. <laughs> it's going to believe this crazy report. Who's going to believe this report? And Zion's saying, okay, I think they're getting the suffering servant piece. I think they're getting the temple a little bit. <coughs> but they're not grasping the whole thing. They're not grasping what the enemy is doing. And the enemy is providing revelation if they would pay attention. But Zion's yeah. crying out to everybody that's listening to this. What about me? 
Abba, when are you going to manifest Zion in my children? And when am I going to give birth to cities? What about me? I think we're the generation that is hearing that call from Zion. I'm just now hearing the call and starting to understand it just a little bit. And I know there's so much more. What about me? I think Zion's crying out for this. Come on. Todd Brilliant. Really? I, um, I feel that, again, we talked about that the, the passive church, we just got to continually consuming information, but probably never reply it. And then we struggle to have devotions and read the Bible 10 minutes a day. Fair enough. Um, and what happens is, is it is, he said to Adam and Eve, take dominion. And then he, he, he said the same thing in the great commission. And you know that if everyone left someone to Christ and they'd repeated the same thing, the whole world would come to Christ in like less than a year, but we, we refused to. So there you go. There's a thing. I think that, I think that, um, cause we, we know better. Um, what I love, this is what I, I like. This is we're all journeying something and we know in part. Now these are pretty chunky parts, <laughs> but we all know in part. Now, as you know, I was at your last uh, retreat, advance, sorry, advance, there we go, uh, last year in, in Dallas, I think. You know, we interpreted a whole bunch of dreams. I've been interpreting dreams for a while now. I have a lot of dreams myself. Um, I can open up my phone at any given time and my staff, my core team, they will, uh, you know, hear some dreams. And God's speaking very loud, very loud. When you start to interpret dreams, you start to learn heaven's language. Heaven has a language. He doesn't speak Australian, doesn't speak Spanish, whatever. He can speak audible voice. He speaks in knowings, in riddles, uh, visions, dreams, impressions, guides you with his eye. Look, it's a whole other language. You go to, to that heavenly place. Angel just looks at you and he communicates to you perfectly, okay? So what's happened is that I've been on a crash course for maybe five to seven years of heaven's language. Then you go into the book of Revelation and you realise people who don't speak heaven's language have tried to interpret it. I'm not, I'm not loading the dice here. I'm not pushing elitism. What I'm saying is this, it's a prophetic book that prophet teachers can only understand. You start to see, I'll give you a case in point, you start to see hectic heavenly language it, it permeates through scripture. So you've got your binary. There's a natural Israel. King David was an actual king, so on and so forth. But then the Bible continually references people as trees, angels as trees. Ezekiel 31 talks about angels in the Garden of Eden as mighty cedars. Why, <clears throat> why is it just saying, why is it just saying, oh, the angels? Because God's trying to reveal an element, a fractal, another dimension of a living being that has its own sentience. <clears throat> and you start to see all through scripture, trees, trees, trees. And it actually means, it can mean natural trees at different points, but they are, he's communicating something supernaturally. When you start to read about Zion, New Jerusalem, the river of life, the trees of life, that they so, so so let me just clear something up. I believe so. You have people they die, 
they they get revived on the through the paddles on the operating table. I think you guys know that we had a lady Jeanette this year. She she was dead in our church for twenty minutes. Not in the I mean she goes to our church. The paramedics brought her back, and supernaturally she has a new brain, uh, a new heart. Her heart was up to 80 percent blocked, no blockages, brand new, not supernatural resurrection. Um, uh, a creator body parts. But people die and they literally go to a heavenly city. They go to a heavenly city. Like, like, oh, my gosh, and I saw the walls. I saw the river of life. You know, I mean, just watch, you know, one episode of Sid Roth, you know. People actually go to a city. And yet, because that's a dimension, we can go there and engage and be part of it and build it and manifest it here. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. So when you understand that when something comes from that dimension, it comes through that metaphorical, gee, I mean, Jesus is trying to explain the unexplainable. The kingdom of heaven is like, and it's always a parable. It's always a metaphor. So Zion and the new Jerusalem is a literal city, and yet it interfaces, it comes through this dimension, through the ecclesia, the gates, the windows, the doors, Right. And manifests. I guarantee you, there's not been one outpouring, not one revival in the history of, of the last 2,000 years that did not come out of the river of life, that did not come out of that crystal clear river. There's nothing happening outside of that river. Right. And it's interesting because Ezekiel uh, um, 47, that river, it talks about the Great Commission, the, the, the nets, the fishermen, trees of life, everywhere it goes, it heals. So, what I'm excited about is I believe that as we use it as a master key to interpret scripture and as we engage it with a whole new level of excitement and gusto and lean into that, that, that paradigm of wisdom, we can actually start to manifest glory for the knowledge of the glory, not the glory, the knowledge of the glory will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Oh, that looks like a new heaven and new earth to me. Um, see, I believe that we have an opportunity to engage it. And the last thing I'll say, I always give you the heads up before I land a monologue is this. Well, this is very indulgent. This is nice, you know. You're 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 disassociating into some intrinsic subjective world. Nope. This is how the whole kingdom works. You ready? Is that you form it on the inside of you through meditation and repetition and faithfulness. You form something on the inside of you, and it's real. Once it's real on the inside of you, how does it escape? You speak. You speak these things. If you command the mountain to be uprooted and cast into the sea, and if you do not down on your heart, those things to say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. We are called to move mountains, but we have to have Mount Zion formed in us to a measure to speak and remove the demonic mountains. So that's the thing. The whole process is engage it, get obsessed, let it pour out of you through osmosis, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, you, you speak. That's, that's the whole paradigm. It's that simple. <laughs> well, I, you, I, I don't want to blow you up here, Todd Weatherly, <laughs> um, but your your horse is over there. I, I'm like looking at the guy. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> of course you showed up for today. <laughs> now, folks, it's you don't know about that, you know, uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, there are many heavenly creatures and you know what? They kind of like the children of God, especially if they have assignments with us and that's normal. You know, what else is normal? Cloud of witnesses. You know what else is normal? Portals and gates. 
stepping in and out. You know, it's so funny how these people, I, w- what did you call them? Armchair theologians? No, I don't think you use that term. I, uh, uh, unqualified uh, interpreters. Over opinionated underachievers. <laughs> <laughs> did I think that or say it? Wait, so, so we get to Revelation chapter four and we say, aha, I understand Revelation chapter four. A door opens in heaven. John ascends. That's the rapture. The heck? Rapture? <laughs> Dude, you, you can walk through a door into the heavens anytime. I'm in. When heaven is reality in you. It's I'm in. like second nature. What's up, guys? Like, you don't have, how do you get that from that? John was in and out. That was his lifestyle. In and out. Throne room encounter. Come boldly before the throne of grace. This is like absolute privilege and right by inheritance. You know, the Bible says our citizenship is in heaven. What does that mean? What does that mean, Todd Edwards? I don't know. (laughs) I'm a stranger and wanderer around here. (laughs) That's why everybody thinks I'm crazy. No, I think you're crazy. (laughs) Uh, um, You mentioned speak. And as we're going through this conversation, uh, we're we're, we're syncing with language and we're syncing with concepts and people are, are listening to it. And we don't want this conversation to be Oh, that was just really good and cool. No, you, you need to, everybody that's listening needs to start absorbing this. And we need to continue to absorb this. Otherwise, this is, is, is no point. Otherwise, we're just talking and we're reiterating scripture, but it has to be within you. It has to, it, it, it has to be part of your core being. And when you mentioned meditate on the word and then speak, what did God do in the beginning? He spoke. And the Hebrew word is debar which is not only a verb, it's a noun because it's action that's actually substance. So when you declare something, that's why he says that there is power of life and death in the tongue, literally. When you speak, life is happening. It's not coming forth in a verb. It is coming forth as a noun into existence. Life is happening or death is happening. You are either building the city of Zion, or you're actually helping contribute to the building of the city of Babylon. Whether you know this or not, this is the process that we're in. So I'm, I'm thinking through this and God, why us? What, why humanity? What, why this part of creation? Because it seems like we're like the lowest part of creation in terms of revelation. Aren't the angels getting more revelation? Aren't they seeing you in more glory than we are right now? I mean, we we have this huge dark glass because of this flesh that's in us. And we're limited by realms. And he puts qualifiers on the word manifesting through us. And what do I mean by that is if if Jesus in in front of Pilate, when he asked, are you a king? If he spoke it, it would have manifested right there. (laughs) He couldn't speak it. 
Because if he would have declared himself king, it would have happened. Likewise, he has put qualifiers in his word because if we declare his word, new Jerusalem coming down from heaven now, shouldn't that manifest and come forth now? Well, he's put qualifiers in there again because he's created a timeline so we could journey through it. So now why humanity? Why did you pick humanity? Why did you come in the form of humanity? I think it's because we are the almost lowest of the low in some ways where we have the least amount of knowledge. I think we have less knowledge in Revelation than even the trees. The trees clap their hands. The seas roar. The stars are rejoicing. <laughs> and here, here are we. You know, we're like, uh, uh, what, what are you talking about? Uh, Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll talk to him maybe later. <laughs> I mean, no, all of creation is rejoicing and clapping and stirring and, and waiting for the manifestation of us. So, so why is that? Is he's almost like he's stripping us down. You mentioned this a little bit, uh, Todd Weatherly, before almost like he's stripping us down to get to the core of our essence that that gets trained to willfully worship, praise, and love him because Satan couldn't do it. <coughs> Satan had all the beauty. He, he, was co- he was the covering cherubim of his glory. And yet there was still something in him when he had that free will messed up. He's going to strip us down to nothing on the journey so that when it happens, when it manifests in an individual, when the kingdom of heaven manifests in an individual, when it manifests in a family, a city, it is so pure that the purity of Zion, it says the streets have pure gold. The gemstones are of pure beauty so that it's equally yoked to the bridegroom. So he strips us all the way down, just like Jeremiah, to build back up in purity in the ultimate creation, the city of Zion. I have to talk about something here right now. Now, now, see, this is the thing, okay? Stones are graded by purity. So, <laughs> and that, that, that's, that's a great, I mean, you could have a diamond S1 or S2 or B1, or like they, they are graded. And okay, now, now watch this. First Peter two and five says that we are living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Now, because I've been on this for two months, I'm going to duck and dodge a lot of points and just make one, which is, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, when you have a stone, a transparent, pure stone, when you pass light through that stone, it will create frequency. That frequency will have attributes, color, resonance, amplitude, right? It has an effect. And the thing is, when you talk about living stones, which are us speaking the word of God, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can actually tell 
frequency differences when stones speak. Now, <laughs> this gives a whole new revelation to if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. But we are stones. And when we speak, there's going to be a frequency that gets attached to our speaking, which is why you can have people that speak the word of God and the only frequency that accompanies that is death, shame, guilt, condemnation, self-hatred. It comes from the pulpit and it pulverizes the sheep. It's lifeless and death. But when a pure stone begins (laughs) to speak the word of God, Faith comes by hearing because hearing is frequency. So you want to talk about activating Zion, activate. There there is a journey to purity because we have a frequency that comes Mm -hmm. through us, whether we realize it or not. And everything that we say and share and preach and teach is going to be affected by the purity of our own stones. Right. The treasures of our hearts. <clears throat> right. And if we're being built together collectively as stones, we are stones collectively as stones as city of Zion. We all need to be in the same purity place. You can't throw in a stone that is speaking death because doesn't it say in Revelation that there is no more death? There are no more tears. And yet... So for those that think, oh, that's not me, I'm not there yet, then how can, how can I manifest the city of, city of God in my heart today? We need each other because we are all of these frequencies collectively that make up the one bride. It's like taking a refractal and you throw light into it and it's shining all the different spectrums of the light or you can bring in reverse all the spectrums of the light and make the pure light. It's the same thing with the stones of Zion. We need all of the stones to be the perfect bride that's one with the bridegroom. And therefore he goes out and finds the one lost lamb and brings them through the process to bring them into the place that they can manifest Zion. I shared this with the Bible study group the, the, the last time, and, and I don't know if people understood it, but I really meant it. Even though I might be doing the talking during the Bible study, and I understand that's my role for this season, I need them maybe even more than they need me. We need each other. And by them bringing in their stones, their frequency, that enhances and amplifies my frequency and my stones. This is the beauty of the body. I need you. You need me. So that we become one in Yeshua. That's the city of Zion. Another way to look at it. Part of this conversation is so exciting is we're saying the same thing in all of these different angles. Todd Weatherly, like we're speaking in parables. The kingdom of God is like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the kingdom of God is like stones. The kingdom of God is like trees. The kingdom of God is like, <laughs> it, it, it's all the same. And this is, this is the big key that we're talking about today. 
is new Jerusalem and Zion birthing now within you and I'm having that understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, and in regards to, can I say something in regards to purity? Because I just, what you just said before, Dan, about the light going through each stone. <clears throat> so God is light. Okay, we know that. And there's no darkness in him. Also, he's a consuming fire. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 to 15 talks about those who are in Christ. When we decide to, we finish with the tent, okay? For, so Paul is saying we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, all right? So that's why my church is called Field of Dreams because of this passage of Scripture. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, Paul said, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. And this pretty much is, is almost like a, a passage of scripture that summarizes it, is that everything we are, everything we do, will all get tested for its purity. It will get tested. And that's why Paul said, uh, James said it, Peter said it, Paul said it, count it all joy when you... I go through various trials and it talks about fiery trials that prove your faith, which is much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. So there is, it's such a, a holistic full court press reality. This is not one mm. single strand mm. of revelation, like, Oh, we're a city at the end of the revelation. No, everything you're doing is, is either, is as Todd Edwards was saying, it's either building or it's tearing down. And, mm. and, and I don't believe that in regards to the rapture, uh, I haven't, I don't, you know, I'm more against the passivity, okay? But I don't believe that God is saying, take dominion and now do the Great Commission. Oh, you didn't? Oh, that's okay. Don't worry. I'll just get you out. Don't worry about it. Because we see all through Scripture that even if we're not faithful, he will get things done for his name's sake, for his glory. So even when we're, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So there is something where it's such an exciting invitation because I believe that this is this this is language that allows us to go behind the veil and it gives us the architecture, the plan, the meta narrative, the topography, the geography, the demographics. Everything is laid out in this First Corinthians fifteen. It says. It says, uh, as there's one glory of the stars and another glory of the moon and another glory of the sun, one differs to another in glory, so will it be in the resurrection. So it talk, when we talk about glory, talk about brightness, you know, so you've got the stars, a little pin of light, then you've got the, the moon a bit brighter than the sun. And what happens is, it, is it, that's going to be according to how people have built, how people have yielded, how have they given themselves over to, to God to process.
because there's no shortcuts. Because if we think we're hacking into something, see, there's always process and it's always about, you know, God gives grace where grace is needed. So yeah. I just think that, that, that this is such a crazy thing because I would say to everyone listening to this, I know that people have been through pain. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There is a difference between being tested and refined and torment. God does not call you to walk through torment. So please don't think you, being tormented, you're taking your lumps. You're not. God has not given us that spirit, says it in Timothy. So you come against it, you resist it, get healed, okay? Yeah. But there are, God actually does allow us to go through <coughs> tests. And the test is to see actually what's on the inside of us. And then it's for us to pass in order for us to get promoted. I want to be very, very clear. Nearly a whole chapter in the New Jerusalem is on walls, is on the walls. And you go, well, what's with that? I'll tell you what it is. Is there's an open invitation for anyone who thirsts, anyone to come to Christ, to come to the Father. No one can come to the Father unless, let's come to Christ unless the Father draws him. There is an open invitation, Isaiah 55, come you who are, you know, you, you, you want to trade, you're hungry, thirsty. Or, um, there's an invitation, but the invitation is not on your terms. You have to go through God's gates. That's why there's a wall. And a wall creates a boundary. And God will not let anything unholy in that place. So this is why we come to Zion now. We come to the new, you know, new Jerusalem and we're also temples is take every opportunity. I, I, I'm saying this with no hyperbole. Since, since COVID, since, you know, the pandemic, everything like that, right, I would say nearly every, the urgency on this whole subject matter, it's really amazing, it's stimulating, but there's such an urgency, I would say, since March, and we, we got a, you know, prophetic read on this before it happened. I didn't know COVID was coming, but we knew something was coming. Mm. I would say nearly every day, barring a week or two here in total, I've treated every day like Super Bowl Sunday. I have just got into God, into like never before because there's an urgency because everything's quickened up so much. And it says the little horn in, the, in Daniel 7 because these are all these prophetic script passages are saying the same thing. It says he will look to change times and laws. And that's not necessarily 2020, you know, 2020 after Christ's death. It's actually about seasons and timelines. He wants to change yes. everything. There's such an urgency. So, so, so we actually have to, rather than be that, just that hyper-consumerism, um, and now that's a difference to consuming to, to, to literally hold you the word. It says that we're partakers of divine nature. Now, that already is, but when we experientially hold the word through that gate, it says mm -hmm. we, we, we experientially get grafted into, into what already is the vine, you know, that, that, that you, you put the, the, the branch to the rootstock and after a period of time they fuse and the life is coming into the, into the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches, John 15. But I just think that, that, that God is looking to purify. Um, he doesn't compromise. There are walls to the city, but it says the gates will always be open. I believe the flaming sword of the cherubim that were guarding the the, 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 the tree of life after the fall, they're going to be they're going to be twelve of those. I believe it's, it's it's really hectic, but it's an open invitation. But exactly what you both touched on, there is a call for us for purity. You cannot make you 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 cannot make yourself holy. You can consecrate yourself. 
You make quality decisions and he's the one that changes. He's the one that refines. So we have to give ourselves faithfully over to his process. He will do it. And it says, who may ascend to up his holy hill? And it says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So, so I really feel that this is an exciting invitation. But now it actually says that the bride has made herself ready. She's getting ready. That's the call. That's the clarion call. It's not on necessarily an eschatological thing exclusively. It is about allow God to deal with your stuff. You can't put on the Christian mask. If you, if you get obsessed with meditating in the word, you will metamorpho. You'll transfigure. That's the, what it means, change, transform. But it says in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11.34, I think it's, it was definitely 2 Corinthians 11. It says this, that, that no wonder because even Satan transforms himself. He said they were false apostles, false workers, deceivers. For even, tra- even Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. The word for transform there is disguise. Hmm. Either you're going to allow God, <laughs> either you're going to allow God to transfigure you from the inside out with his word, or you'll do behavior modification, which is merely a disguise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My goodness. You know, Todd, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you've touched on this to kind of to bring it home that Zion is today. And it's a journey at the same time. Again, it's just layers of concept of timelines, eternity and timeline together. And there is a call, uh, just like at the time when Israel was brought out of Egypt, to come to Mount Sinai. And all of Israel went through the baptism to prepare for priesthood. They were clean for three days. But then when it really came down to seeing God face to face, Moses drew near and everybody else backed away. And one of the passages that has always struck me as being so emotional is from Deuteronomy where God says, and he's rec- Moses is recapping this with, with everybody, oh, that they had a heart to fear me. So Moses, send them away. But for you, you draw near. And this is what we're drawing near to. It's a holiness. We serve a holy God. And, and our journey in Isaiah, because Isaiah is, is all about preparing this process and along the timeline to manifest Zion, is the suffering servants right in the middle in Isaiah 53. And what it says in Isaiah 54, verse 3, is we've sold ourselves for nothing. And what Yeshua did was fulfill every transaction that we did in selling ourselves for nothing. So when he says that he bore our griefs and he was chastised for our peace, basically what we did was we said, sure, Satan, we'll go ahead and we will give up our peace in exchange for a little chastisement. That was the transaction we made. We sold our citizenship, the glory of Zion within us. We didn't understand this, and we sold this for nothing. It was actually worse than nothing. In exchange, we got chastisement. So Yeshua says, guys, don't worry. Don't worry about this. I got you covered. 
I'm going to reverse that transaction. I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to take the chastisement so I can regain the peace. But we have to receive it. We have to walk it out so that we can draw near. We can draw near. We can draw near. And I love the passage where he says, and Moses, I spoke to mouth to mouth. That's what he wants us to do when the bride prepares herself. So I'm glad you brought that home because we saw, we talked all of this about Zion preparing herself as the bride and we are the bride right now manifesting in much grander ways. And, you know, we talked about this today, but it's to prepare ourselves for him. Amen. It's to prepare ourselves for him. Can I bring some practice to the table? Is that for those listening, don't think you have to get cleaned up to come to God. You just keep coming to him. You come to him. You worship him. You look to him. You behold him. He's the one that does the cleaning up. Okay. It says when people, they go, oh, you know, I, str- I had a bad day yesterday and uh, God's angry with me and I'm not going to, you know, go on to the podcast or virtual church or whatever. I've had a bad No, no. You've had a bad day. It's even more reason to keep coming to him and he does the purifying you make decisions you get into the word he does the transforming mm-hmm. otherwise it becomes it becomes like adam where are you and so so we have to keep yielding to that and, and, and when we understand that 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 you know if you're in christ it says all things are yours all things he will be my son he will inherit all things so we, we, we're called to make choices every day. Every day there are pathways in the spirit. Every day he leads, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When you get up, you have these micro decisions that go up there, forks in the road, everywhere. <laughs> and you've got to choose those supernatural micro decision paths of glory to you actually renew your, your neural paths with your neurotransmitters, your dendrites, your axons, your, your neurons. But what we have to do is we have to make choices and he does the purifying. And sometimes it says, don't be, don't consider it an unusual thing, a strange thing that you're going through this. God is getting you ready. Do you know what this is? How, how good is this, guys? How good is this? This is a great scripture. One of our intercessors, I think, got this. So they get delivered. They get delivered from Pharaoh. And before all the covenant stuff, and he says, the Lord is a man of war, the horse and the rider, you know, the son of Miriam. And then it says in, Exodus chapter 15, verse 17, that God takes his people and he plants them on the mountain of his inheritance. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hold, hold now. Now, I I love all of this that's, that's, that's happening guys. Hmm. I'm, we haven't even touched priesthood. I I have to say (laughs) something here. Okay. Because this is a mess. This is a mess. First of all, we need to bend time because there's way too much that we still have to talk about. And I want to say this. The Bible says mm. that we need to put off the old man mm. because we are new mm. creations in Christ Jesus. Mm. We have to put on Christ. Now, this mm. is huge mm. because the Bible says, as in Adam, all die. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, what we have to understand 
is that Adam was the first high priest of man in the garden. He was tending and keeping the garden. Those words tend and keep have everything to do with priestly duties through labor, not just mowing the lawn. I mean, anyone look these words up. Adam was not just mowing the lawn. He was executing, like, that's the whole thing, tending and keeping with dominion. Adam was the first king priest. He was really, (laughs) you know, what what is Melchizedek? A king priest. But in Adam all die. So Adam being the source, the wellspring of all seed, as in Adam all die. So, So when Adam falls, we all die in him at that time. Now, this is a priesthood. The whole priesthood dies in a single generation. But watch this. This is crazy because Jesus comes back around. He's like, I'm not done with priesthood yet in a single generation. The Bible says we're a holy generation because in the generation that is Jesus Christ, in him, in one event, all men are made alive in him. Alive to what? A priesthood that is to serve God. Now, what about the garden, though? See, this is the whole thing about Zion, because the garden was the convergence point of heaven and earth as the first temple. The garden was in heaven and on earth. It wasn't either or. It was both ends. That's Eden. Yes. Yes. All of the trees represent government. (laughs) That's another conversation. Don't get me started. This is so exciting. So every tree is a government. And Adam is tending them as a king priest, but he dies and we die in him. So Jesus makes us all alive and puts our citizenship (laughs) in Zion. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? In one generation, you are a holy generation, a royal priesthood. (laughs) Let me throw some more on the fire. Some more on the fire. spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Mm. We are the convergence point Mm. of heaven and earth in Christ. Amen. Yep. That's good. Really good. So, so Dan, who is earth's priest? (laughs) 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 Did you know, Todd, that all of Zion is in Christ? This is the thing, that, because the Bible says we... <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I have to say this out loud. <laughs> Everyone just got slapped. <laughs> Holy Ghost. Like, we have been raised up in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm. This is why Jesus had to ascend far above all heavens. Because in him is Zion and the reconciliation of the whole of creation. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm I'm studying um, Zion and I keep seeing this pattern of heaven and earth and Zion, heaven and earth and Zion, heaven and earth and Zion. And I ask, Okay, Zion is a priest. Got stones, 
got the priestly ephod. It's worshiping God. We are priests. We are a holy royal priesthood. Who is earth's priest? Because earth eventually will be married. So it says in Isaiah, Isaiah 62, and your land will be married. And Zion was to birth back to sex again. Now he started off. <laughs> was supposed to birth and oh by the way there's a whole study on the name adonai adonai is partially a birthing process of the seed so wow so zion is going to marry earth and birth daughters so back to priesthood i'm thinking who is then earth's priest because earth is part of creation groaning waiting for the manifestations of god and yeshua could only be our priest if he took on our substance humanity is the same substance of earth afar and is the same substance of heaven (laughs) so here we are as zion as priests for the heavens and the earth to God. But uh, Okay, Todd. So going back to the garden, that's what he was doing. Oh my gosh. That's how heaven and earth get aligned is through the priesthood because we're of that substance. So therefore we can be priest on behalf of creation to God. That's why creation is waiting for us to manifest so that we can call forth life into the earth, call forth life into the heavens. This is part of the manifestation of Zion as priests. The thing is, when the Bible talks about the ecclesia, it is the called out ones who sit in the gate and judge. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because how backwards everything winds up. Now, this comes back to Western mm. Christianity. You know, some people use certain explicatives when they have been worked over. They say, you know, I got screwed. I got this, I got that. And then we have people who get churched. Now, I, (laughs) 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 wait a minute. (laughs) How did this happen? How did this happen? How, how, how far have we fallen? You know, I, I just am continually blown away by how effective Satan has been at downgrading us from our identity. Right. Todd Weatherly. And the whole, <laughs> the, the whole priesthood thing is amazing because, <clears throat> as you were saying, Todd, um, we've got all the core constituents, all the mineral constituents of the earth, and yet we're born from above. And so it says that Zion came down out of heaven like a bride. So we carry within us, we, we qualify to be the synapse between two dimensions. That synapse, synapse between two dimensions mean the two dimensions can marry. So we qualify. The angels don't. The angels 
perform the word of the Lord, you know, minister of flame of fire. So that high priest thing is something we've neglected. What's really interesting is I feel that uh, I, we've got a, there's a window. There's a window for the remnant. It's always the remnant. I mean, you know, there's actually a whole thing called remnant theology, just saying there's a window for the remnant to manifest as sons. Part of that manifestation of sonship, if you have a look at the high priest function, it is so expansive. They are called, they are, they are set apart. They are holy. They wore linen. Um, you know, they washed in the labor. They ate the sacrifices. They came before the presence of the Lord. Now we are now a generation, a, ho- a holy generation, royal priests, a chosen chosen people, um, and we're building things in the spirit and with a synapse. But also, too, is that the high priest was considered the head of the political head of the nation. This is what people don't understand. Way before David came along, before Saul came along, the high priest, it wasn't Samuel, wasn't the prophet, wasn't the, it was the high priest was considered the political head. So what's happened is that Western Christianity has become passive and receiving and people need to take the government mountain. The other thing too with the high priest is if anything, they were actually the ones who administrated the protocols of healing. And so there are protocols of healing. And so you actually have, um, you know, the lep- there was a protocol for leprosy. There was only two recorded miracles, I think, was name in the Syrian. And I think, um, oh, gosh, uh, and, and Moses prayed for Miriam, okay, and leprosy. But, but they're also in charge of healing. So what's happened now is that God had to take a heathen out of the business mountain into the government mountain, turn him into a baby Christian and lead the free world. And there's a lot of warfare around that. But also, too, now, unfortunately, because we haven't understood the priesthood role, the sonship role, um, the now faith is role, is the high priest in society now has become the medical practitioners Mm -hmm. and pharmacia. The men in the white coats, they get to shape government policy that affects every sphere of life now, whether it's through vaccinations or social distancing, because... This role of the high priest has to be rediscovered because we have to be administrating healing, divine health, the glory, revival, deliverance, restoration, reintegrating altars and parts. That is a high priestly function. And because we haven't stepped up in that, anyone that's into healing, they go, would be, you know, I'm into revival and I want to win souls and I want to get on Sid Roth and have a supernatural platform. Those are great things, but that's still only one soundbite mm-hmm. is that the high priests were actually the political head of the nation and also they were to oversee the whole healing deal. So as we start mm-hmm. to get awakened to this, we will see supernatural restoration as commonplace. As you know, uh, Todd Edwards, that in Isaiah, it says that in that day that someone dies at 100 years of age, they'll be considered accursed. I believe we are on a shoulder season. I believe there's an invitation of spirit for a remnant to go in. It only takes a remnant um, and to go in and change things. That's what we're doing. You know, we're doing our best here in, in Field of Dreams and, and really, really change things because everything gets changed and the spirit gets changed inside us in the spirit than the natural. You don't have to change the natural. If you understand dynamics, you just got to move it in the spirit. The natural has to follow. So the high priest thing, we are qualified to, to, to be the go-between, a mediator between two dimensions. 
And then that, that qualifies us to marry the two dimensions because we're made of this substance and that substance. And we have abdicated that role because we have hardly any, any Christians. I mean, thank goodness for Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, that, that we have that's there. But we, we went to do so much more than that. It's not about having Christians in government. It, it, we, we've actually chosen to become the tail. And you said it before, Todd, there was an invitation for the whole nation of Israel to be a nation of priests. And they chose not to have intimacy. They said, Moses, go and get the rules for us and we'll do the rules, knowing that they were rejecting a grant covenant, which is by grace, which was Abraham was under, and they were coming into a suzerain or a vassal covenant, which would put them under bondage. If God's people reject intimacy, if they reject time with the Lord, if they reject worship, what happens, they will come under servitude. And so as we choose, as we choose intimacy, offering up the, the, the praises of him who called us out of darkness into this wonderful light uh, to build a spiritual house, what happens is we start to rule and reign. If we don't do that, we will be just, we'll be like, so statistically, most of the church mirrors the world, same divorce rate, same sickness rate, all that sort of stuff. So that's where the, I believe uh, there's about to be a rediscovery of priesthood, um, and and that's married with that's got so many different applications. But we at the moment, because it's been abdicated, that's why the medical fraternity, the World, World Hoax Organization, uh, all these other things are now governing policy in the world, and it's always the church's fault or the ecclesia's fault. We have to wake up and rediscover. And you become the priest before the Lord, the priest of your home. It's Metron-based, and then we can actually start to, you know, why would you need vaccinations if there's healing revival? Why would there be vaccinations if the water is coming out from under the threshold of the temple and going everywhere and touching it? That's 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 going to be the most obvious manifestation. So, sorry, rant over. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Todd Edwards. You know, I love this topic. Um, <clears throat> out of all the things that we are, we're, we're servants. We can be friends. We can be sons. We can be the bride. Uh, he's given out gifts to the body, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The, the role that is so to the core of my being that I would is number one for me as being a priest before him. And that's, I think, the heart of what David was saying is the one thing that I will seek after all the days of my life is to dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold his beauty, to inquire within his temple. That was his desire. And you, you quoted Psalm 24 also, who is going to ascend to the hill of the Lord? Um, he that has clean hands and a pure heart. And you're so right, the, the body of Christ in the priesthood has fallen. And God had to raise someone like Jehu. And when we think about the, the first coming of Yeshua unto the earth, the spirit of Elijah was sent. The second coming, there's going to be a spirit of Elijah in double portion, like Elisha, that's going to come forward. And what's the point of the spirit of Elijah? What did he do? He killed the false priests of Baal Mm. because the false priests of Baal had taken over 
Israel. The priesthood of Israel was gone. They weren't, they weren't acting in the, in the capacity, in the office that they were supposed to do. So therefore, Baal had come in. And now the priests of Baal had taken over. So the spirit of Elijah had to cut it down. And it's the same thing that John the Baptist did. John the Baptist was the legitimate high priest at that time. He was born of a Levi. He was born, his mom was a Levi. His dad was a Levi. He was the legitimate high priest. So he comes in the spirit of Elijah to baptize the new priest order the, order the, after the order of Melchizedek, Yeshua. So he is the greatest Levitical priest on earth. And that's why Jesus told him that there is no one greater born of a woman other than this man. That's good. Because he is the great high priest. And that came in as the spirit of Elijah. <laughs> so now the second spirit of Elijah is going to come. That's what it says in Malachi. And that's going to come with judgment. And that actually needs a double portion anointing. Because the first spirit of Elijah didn't finish the job. Now, John did not, he was not called to finish the job. Elijah did not finish the job. He was supposed to take out Jezebel. So now you have the years of the acceptable years of Yahweh that, are, will, that have been, that have been. But then there's going to be a day of vengeance. The day of vengeance has so much holiness that the Lord himself comes down, puts on the breastplate of righteousness as a priest, the helmet of salvation to command the host, the garments of vengeance, the cloak of zeal, because he is jealous for his people. And the spirit of Elijah with a double portion has to prepare the priesthood, catch this, to draw near. Because the holiness that is coming Come on. is so intense that the priesthood has to be holy. We have to be holy. We have to draw near. And this is also part of this whole thing with Zion and New Jerusalem is it's a priest that has been made ready for mm. service. Mm. We have to draw near. But yeah, he had to raise up Jehu to finish the job because... First time didn't go through. So he raises up a Jehu who was not necessarily a priest and not necessarily a godly man. <laughs> and we have a Jehu in our midst because we're not doing our job as priests. We don't even understand what we're supposed to be doing as priests. <laughs> but for me, that's the one place I love. I love, love, love trying to see his face and desiring, trying to grab his face and draw it near to my face. And if there was one thing that, you know, I go back and I think about what Solomon was asking when Solomon asked for discernment so that he could rule over the, the God's people. <clears throat> my heart is, God, always give me a love for you. I know you'll never leave me or forsake me. Put in me a desire that I would never leave you or forsake you, ever, ever. Because I know apart from you, I can't do it. And that's priesthood. That's priesthood. But there is so much more. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, folks? The problem is that we are out of time. We, we've been talking for a long time, gentlemen. 
I don't know if you realize this has been a heavy conversation. So, folks, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get the short end of the stick. And we're just going to have to continue a conversation at some point in the future because there is so much more to say about Zion. New Jerusalem. Living stones. Priesthood. I don't know if there's a bottom. (laughs) Todd Weatherly, I'm going to have to invite you back at some point. Okay. I know you have a very busy schedule, so it might be a few months down the line, but we're going to find you. We're going to track you down. Uh We're going to get you back. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, if you haven't checked out Todd Weatherly's ministry, I need you to go to fieldofdreams.org. .au? Yep. Yes. Fieldofdreams.org.au. Now, they also have a regular sermon streams on their facebook page field of dreams and you can check into that anytime powerful powerful ministry um we 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 love field of dreams todd weatherly thank you so much for offering pleasure as always willingly of your time todd edwards it's always great always a pleasure um and folks Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.